Welcome to Deep Dive Coaching for Creatives with me, Coach Cami. In each episode, we'll be covering the basics of deep inner work, the hardest and most important work you can possibly do for yourself. I've been where you are, stuck with self-limiting beliefs and other subconscious roadblocks and no idea how to get past them. I've been through this process myself. I want to help you become your best you. You deserve it. If this is your first Genius Hours Deep Dive, welcome. If this is not your first one, welcome back. We love doing these things, especially me. Like the previous deep dives and what Bronwyn was saying, I'll be asking for participation in the Zoom chat. So have that open and ready along with something to write with and something to write on. Also, I will be asking for volunteers to share your stories as we go through the exercises that I have planned for you. So are you ready to start? Yes, I am. All right. Today, like Brahman said, we'll be talking about inner critic. And by inner critic, I mean that constantly criticizing voice that doesn't believe that you're enough. So I'll be sharing with you some juicy sciencey background stuff, and my pal Erickson will help you engage in an amazing meditation that will also help you move your inner critic from being your enemy to an ally. So that voice that's constantly nagging and berating you for not being enough, we want to move that voice to being an advisor, which is a role your inner critic is really best suited for. So just like last time, let's get fully present. Remember, we're going to do a little bit of mindfulness. So I want you to close your eyes and take a deep breath and release your expectations for the next hour. Okay. Eyes closed. Imagine your feet rooted through the floor and into the ground, pulling in exactly what you need, just like tree roots would. Slow, deep breaths tell your body that you're safe. Listening to your breath, counting one on the inhale, two on the exhale, three on the inhale, counting up to ten. Let the day's pressure just melt away. Relax and allow yourself to become fully present. When you get to 10, keep your eyes closed and just rest for a moment. One final deep breath and set your intention to allow yourself to be open and honest with yourself and to enjoy the next hour or so. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Oh, that always feels so good, right? All right, let's begin. There are two quotes I'd like to share with you. One, the first one is from Richard Bach. 
He's the one who wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Argue for your limitations. And sure enough, they're yours. Argue for your limitations. And sure enough, they're yours. The second quote is from Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. It's also called confirmation bias. So whatever you believe, that's what you'll find. For example, if you believe that the world is a cold and hostile place, that's what you will repeatedly find because that's what your brain has been wired to look for. But if you believe the world is full of good people doing amazing things, then that's what you'll find. So the same thing can be said of yourself. If the story you have on repeat in your head is that you're an imposter or that you're not good enough, that confirmation is what your brain will be on the lookout for in your own life. And you'll likely to ignore the confirmations of the exact opposite, that you are enough, that you're not an imposter. So here's a good example. Me and math. Anybody who knows me, at least up until January of this year, knows that I'm bad at math. So when I was in first grade, I was six years old, the teacher gave us a full page of very simple math problems. And I wasn't bad at math at the time. I was just slow. Now, my classmate, on the other hand, Missy, was really quick with math. And when the teacher told us the time was about up, I looked over to Missy and her page was almost full while mine had only a handful of answers. I totally panicked and I just started writing down numbers. Oh, my God. So after the teacher looked at my paper, she called my mother in. Now, my single mother, who usually only got called into school because of my truant and sometimes violent half-brother, did not handle this well. And she's like, what the hell happened? What's wrong with you? Hence my math trauma. As a side note, now I understand that I have, because I have synesthesia, math involves so much more for me than just adding numbers together. For me, the the figure is not just a quantity, but it's a color, it's a texture, it's a body part, it's a personality. And it's sometimes even the numbers have corresponding letters. So adding numbers to me is kind of like trying to read a loud plaid. It, it, it just makes no sense. But at the time, I freaked out. I created a very, um, a very deep connection between the idea of me doing math and trauma. So my inner critic told me for decades that I was bad at math. But in all honesty, that was also my inner critic telling me not to take the risk of trying math. Remember that one time you were so humiliated? You're just not good at math. It was trying to protect me from humiliation. But funny thing happens if you repeatedly tell yourself that you're not good at math, that's what your brain will believe. And that's what will become your reality. So for 46 years, Years, I sucked at math. Argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. But you don't have to do this to yourself like I did, okay? The good news is you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts, right? You are the creator of your thoughts. 
you're not, you're not your brain any, or you're not your thoughts any more than you are your brain or your, or your elbow or your big toe, right? You're not your thoughts. You're not your inner critic. Your inner critic is a part of your brain trying not to use a bunch of energy, trying desperately to maintain the status quo, to keep you in stasis, to keep you from taking risks. So here's another way I see that kind of behavior. This is how I I picture this. You have the thought, okay? That creates the emotion that drives the behavior that creates your current situation, how you and and please take a screenshot of this if this is useful to you okay how you you think and and feel create a state of being when your mind and body work together it's your mind body connection and with each thought your brain makes neuropeptides that send the message to your body your body reacts by having an emotion your brain notices the emotion generates another thought matched to the emotion, and thus you've got a little feedback loop started. So if you have the same thoughts, you'll have the same emotions, you'll make the same choices, create the same behaviors, and have the same experiences in the same situations. So if you're having difficulties making or sustaining change in your life, it cannot you can't just change the situation and expect it to be different. You have to start with you and your thoughts. Okay. So that having been said, what negative thoughts and emotions are you telling yourself on a regular basis? What kind of bullshit are you listening to from that critical, nagging, awful inner voice? Okay. Let's find out. Now, a negative current story, let's define that. A negative current story that you're telling yourself usually starts with things like, I can't, I'm not, I never, I shouldn't, I should, I wish, I always. Um, Or sometimes these thoughts include the word enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. Okay. It focuses on what you don't have. It focuses on scarcity. Okay. So grab your paper and start writing as many current stories as come to mind, but leave lots and lots of space in between them because you're going to be doing more writing uh, that has to do with each one of those. So try to write down at least three that come to mind. And that can be like, I suck at math. Um, I'll never I'll never learn how to be, or or I'll never win awards with my designs or whatever your current stories are. I'll never be beautiful enough. I'll never be smart enough. I'll never be thin enough. I hate those stories. You should hate them too. I hope you're tired of hearing them. Um, Bronwyn, what I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to set my timer. I can find my phone. There we go. I'm going to set my timer for two minutes while everybody writes, but I want to put you on the spot and say, what are some current stories that you are telling yourself? Yeah. Um, Rather than enough, I was always told that I had too much sensitivity and that I was too sensitive to a situation 
and that I responded in a way that I did because I was too sensitive, um, rather than acknowledging maybe what had happened to have that sensitive response as such. So Um, was that you're too emotional. Yeah. Um, which is super interesting. And, and now I flip between being proud of my emotions and the fact that I'm able to tune into my emotions and know what's going on. But then I question my response to something that happens every time. Is it me? Did I do it wrong? Did I make the wrong response there? Starts it on a little feedback loop of, oh God, oh geez, what's going on? Thank you for sharing. Erickson, I'm going to put you on the spot too. What is the current story that you have thought in the past that has totally held you up? Well, about two years ago, before I got into uh, coaching, my thought was, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, but I'm too old to start over again. Ooh, too old to start over. from someone who during his 20s and 30s could create a new persona every week. So it was interesting. So yeah, I leaned into that and now I'm where I want to be. And uh, nice inner critics having fun with that too. Yeah, the inner critic doesn't go away, does it? We no, just want to tame him a little bit. Mine's a, mine's a male. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Okay, everyone else, you've got about 20 seconds. Finish up your, um, your stories that you're writing, that you're telling yourself. So of the stories that you wrote down, which one or two zing the most? Like you feel just horrified, like, oh God, I can't believe this is me. I can't believe I'm listening to this. Like for years, I, I thought, okay, my hair is too white. I need to color my hair. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have gray hair. What, what ladies have long gray hair? Oh my God. Would anybody like to share? I can't see everyone. So, oh, thank you, Sheila. I will never find my dream career. And I look forward to waking up every day doing it for the rest of my life. Oh, that's hard. I'll never find my dream career. Yeah, that's a that's a big negative story, right? I have Polly who said that maybe she'll also have a go if she's happy to unmute. So I'm going to give it a go. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I was like, I can unmute. All right. I want to share. And Carmi, it's so interesting because I was born and raised in China. You said your hair was too white. My hair was like too brown. Because for Chinese people, most people have like black hair. So my hair was like so brown. I always want to dye my hair. I was like, I look different. I don't want it to be. And uh, also, since I moved here four years ago from China, so I had so many doubts about my language, my culture, adopt. Like I was just adult, like worried about I would never be fluent in English but here I am not fluent yet but I, I made a progress <laughs> yeah and uh, I was always put the thoughts on myself say I would never adapt to the American culture but here I am I understand most of people and I'm looking for mentors communicating yeah. with people doing public speaking doing design challenge and more so i think there are more we can try on but the the thing is like we put too much limitation and constraint to ourselves yeah thank you thank you for sharing polly there's some great ones in the chat too i'll never be able to get a job in the next few months 
Um, I suck at making design decisions and will wreck the product I'm working on. I'm very lazy and not smart enough. I overthink too much. I think I'm a useless cook. Oh, bless your heart. I I suck at expressing my emotions. Even if I try, I'll be a misunderstood. I'm too slow. I don't have talent. I'm not masculine enough. Oh God, my heart bleeds for you, Alistair. I don't want to want people to get a job where I can show my passion and skills. Yeah. So these are, this is your inner critic talking. These are heartbreaking, right? Painful. Yes. Yeah. And I agree. They're very painful. So the ones that zing, I want you to circle those. Those are going to be the ones that we're going to be working on today. Like one or two, the ones that are the most painful to you. Um, I want you to answer this question. The question is, what is believing this story costing you? What is believing this story costing you? Is it costing you your freedom? Opportunities? Your time? Your sanity? For my math example, believing the story that I sucked at math prevented me from improving at math ever. So I have like a, a first or second grade math level in my head, but in actuality, I'm, I'm really good at math, just slow. Yeah. So it's costing you, yeah, confidence, stress, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a reason that you believe those stories. There's a reason. There is some kind of benefit that you're getting from believing those stories. Is it easier? Safer? So under that believing what that story is costing you, I also want you to write, what's the advantage of believing that story? Is it safer? Is it easier? Is it you don't have to worry about it? You don't actually have to do it. Like for me, not doing math. I never had to do math because, oh, I don't do math. I suck at math. When the bill came, I'd, I'd hand the bill to somebody else. Can you do the math? I can't do the math. I don't know. What's the tip? I don't know. That's kind of a benefit. Some of the, the comments here. Yeah. Avoidance, peace of mind, afraid to try. feel safer from facing rejections. Yeah. If you don't try something, you won't get rejected. If you don't try something, you can't fail. Right? You complete avoidance of failure. But it's also complete avoidance of growth. It's easier in the long t- in the short term, but anxiety in the long term isn't worth it. You're absolutely right, Sheila. Yeah, and it feels safer to play small, right? So, I want you to know something. The majority of these stories are lies your inner critic has told you kind of makes you want to punch him in the throat, right? For being so mean to you. Feels like he or she is, is your enemy constantly bullying and berating you. I know my inner critic's a man. It's male. His name is Cruella, but that's another, that's another story. But understand that your inner critic is a defense mechanism. It, it prevents you from taking risks. It, it, 
prevents you from challenging the status quo, from, from changing or growing or taking risks. It's keeping you safe, right? Safe. And I say safe in air quotes. But it's also your inner critic has also allowed you or, or reminded you to put clothes on when you leave the house. So your inner critic has a job and it's a good job and it's and it's good to put clothes on before you leave the house. Your inner critic has come into play several times when you have that gut feeling of, oh, this this situation isn't safe or this person isn't trustworthy. And your inner critic is saying, oh, I don't know. This is sketchy. And that's when you learn to listen to that. But when your inner critic is saying, don't take any risks, don't do anything out of, out of the outside the status quo, what's everyone else doing? Just do that. Just do the absolute minimum. You look at other people's portfolios to find out, okay, what's, what's everyone else doing? Because that's safer. Right. But if you want to become a new and, and better version of you, one who believes in those big juicy goals, who tries new things, who has permission to fail, as well as permission to succeed, you cannot believe those old worn out stories and still become the new you. So we know from studies on the human mind that beliefs really are just thoughts on repeat, right? So what's happening here is our brains are physically wired to resist change. Okay. They're built to use the least amount of energy to perform tasks. That's why when you first learned how to drive a car or ride a bike, your brain was completely lit up, making all kinds of new neural connections. And you had to focus on your surroundings, your feet and your hands and your eyes. It was hard. And now you can probably think about 12 other things as you go along. And sometimes you have no recollection of how you actually got to your destination. That's because these thought patterns have become so efficient. They're now like super highways. The same thing happens with repeated negative thoughts. They become so set, you don't even notice, notice that they're happening. They've moved to autopilot. So that's what we want to do is move those thoughts from subconscious to conscious and from autopilot to no, I'm in charge now. So to jump out of that thought pattern, out of that rut, and into a new and better one, you either need a big old jolt of emotion, which is really hard to just summon, or the simple repetition of a new thought. Okay, that's why daily affirmations af actually work if you're repeating them multiple times a day. <laughs> Science. So what are some new stories you would like to believe? Okay, look at those that you circled specifically and write a new story that you would like to have on repeat instead. And so, for example, like me, instead of saying, oh, I suck at math, I can say very confidently that I'm getting better at math because I can do it in my head now. And it's only been since January since I've tried. And if I can do it with this old brain, you can do it. Okay, I'm going to set the timer again for two minutes. And I want you to think about these new stories, how, how these new stories are better. What, are, what new stories do you actually want to have on, on repeat so that they become a belief? Okay, the Autobahn of our head. Yes. All right. 
Bronwyn, what is a better story that you'd like to have on repeat that kind of cancels out that first one that you told me? I think mine is that my sensitivity actually gives me a great ability to empathize and understand other people's emotions. That's a great one. Yeah. Because it's true. Very much so. And Erickson, how about you? How, what's a new story that kind of counteracts that first one that you told me? It's a mantra that I have right here on my computer and I look at it every single second. Things are always working out for me. That's so good. That's been my mantra this year. And I'll be damned if things just haven't worked out for me. (laughs) But I'll also share my mantra of 2021 if you'd like. Yeah. Do epic shit. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. When you're constantly being fed that information of do epic shit or things are always working out for me, or my emotions are my superpower, that your brain's like, oh, okay, that's the new reality. Perfect. And it it floods your entire body with the chemicals to make that true. All right, we've got just another, I don't know, 10 seconds or so. So finish up those new stories. Okay. All right. So under that, I want you to write, how is that new story better? How, how is that new story that you want to have on repeat? How is it better? My story about math, this new story allows me to become better at math. It shuts off that inner critic part of me that says you can't, you can't. Right. How, how are these new stories better? Um, another thing that you can answer under that is what are the advantages of believe, believing these new stories? Mine is I actually have become better at math. Holy crap. I can do percentages in my head. I can do addition and subtraction and sometimes even multiplication in my head. <laughs> Just takes me a while, but I can do it. And I'm certainly better than I did and than I was for the past 46 years. All right. So all that having been said, you have old stories we know that don't serve you. We have new stories that definitely do. How can you start demonstrating those new stories starting today? What's a way that you can show the world that this is your new story? And sometimes sowing the world is just saying it to yourself. So for me, trying to do math in my head instead of defaulting to saying, I'm not good at math. So I give you this exercise that you can repeat as much uh, as much as often as you want. You can do it at a slower pace sometime after this. Take your time and explore your inner world because that's where growth happens. Self-knowledge is everything. So what did you learn about yourself? Would anybody like to share? Anybody have an aha moment? Polly says, I'm always having a growth mindset. I'm not there yet, but I can try. Wonderful. A great way to do that is I'm not good at math yet. Include yet. 
That means I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Anybody else like to share? I would love to hear your story. I wish I could see you all at once. (laughs) No? Mm, I belong here. Thank you, Sheila. That's beautiful. I belong here. Like last month when Sonia said, you're never in a room, you don't belong. Grace says, I still have a lot to learn, but I have the potential to keep growing and learning. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. So the crucial thing to realize is that your inner critic is an integral, intra, you know what I'm saying, integral part of you. It's, it's a big part of you. You cannot live a life of abundance while you're secretly hating or loathing that part of yourself or letting fear make your decisions. So I want you to start when you, when you hear your inner critic's voice, when you hear yourself saying, I can't, I shouldn't, I'll never stop that thought right there. Tell your inner critic, thank you. Thank you for the input. Send, send him or her love and compassion. The poor thing is terrified. That part of you is terrified, but make it clear in no uncertain terms that they're no longer in the driver's seat because you're not letting fear drive your life. They're in a special and cozy, specially designed passenger seat with a fancy new title name tag of advisor. You can promise to listen to your advisor. Thank you, inner critic, for reminding me to put clothes on when I leave the house this morning. Or thank you for reminding me that I am taking a risk in this uh, class that I'm signing up for, that I could fail this class, but I'm going to take the risk. Thank you for your input, right? So promise that you'll listen to your advisor, but now it's up to you to do whatever you want to do with that advice given to you. You can choose to act on it or to not act on it, right? So to help you with that relationship with your inner critic, my wonderful pal Erickson, uh, he and I both went through an amazing 100-day coaching program with our mentor, Peleg Top. Um, Erickson, what can you tell us about this uh, amazing meditation that you're going to guide us through today? Well, what I would like to say is <clears throat> that this is a way of sneakily reprogramming your inner critic. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> as you'd said, that I like to look at the uh, inner critic as a protector, but he's protecting the wrong things. He's protecting, he was protecting me when I was a kid, but that doesn't work for me now. So part of this journey is just to take responsibility. And with responsibility, that for me, that means the ability to respond as opposed to react. And that was the journey with my inner critic is when the voice was strong, I would react instead of just taking a pause, taking a deep breath, and then choosing the way that I wanted to respond to the input that I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we're adults and as we're growing and we're expanding, you know, we don't have to believe the messages. Um And once we uh, see these patterns for what they are, 
we can step into healing and freedom. Wonderful. And, um, yeah, it's just it, it, the other thing about this, the guided meditation journey is to connect us back to that part of us that the inner critic is protecting that really yearns for a deeper love and an acknowledgement. And even for the inner critic to give him an acknowledgement for the job he's been doing to protect us all of these years. Wonderful. Oh, Erickson, I can't wait to do this meditation again. I've done it once before and it's fabulous. If you've never meditated before, this is the time to try it. Just close your eyes and, and try it out. Let your inner critic shush your inner critic and say, you know what? We're going to, we're going to turn the camera off and we're just going to experience this. There we go. So <clears throat> if you're ready, um, I take it everyone is in a comfortable position. If not, take a moment, just get comfortable, either in a meditation posture or comfortably in your chair. Keep your spine straight. And when you're ready, close your eyes. And you can bring your tongue to the roof of your mouth at the place where the teeth meet the gums. And let your breathing become stable and regular. And next we release the tension of the body. Let your body sink into the earth as if though you're growing roots from the bottom of your feet or where you touch the ground. It gives you stability and grounds your energy. And slowly breathe in and breathe out. In taking this posture, we align with our natural dignity and our basic sanity. Throughout this guided meditation, I would like you to bring all of your senses into play. Work with your imagination. The more powerfully you engage, the more powerful the effect. Regardless of your skill in visualization, be comfortable with where you are. Connect with what is available to you. For intention is everything. And from this state of open groundedness, I invite you to visualize in front of you, at a comfortable distance, a copy of yourself without distinct features, like a glass vessel with head, torso, arms, and legs. And within this container, see that your transparent external critic body is completely filled with all the things the inner critic has to say. You can imagine it like a milky substance, oil, smoke, green slime, words, glitter, whatever your imagination produces and resonates with you. And whatever you choose, this is all of your internal negativity, the discouraging thoughts, the empty feelings, the instinctual drives, everything that holds you back. Just for a moment, witness it in motion without judgment. See how it moves, shifts, changes color, dances, swirls, whatever it does, 
And in the meditation, when we bring forth this out of the critic body, I'm going to call it the negativity stream. And now, while holding that image in front of you, feel your actual body in space. Feel your head, your arms, your legs. And imagine it, too, becoming transparent. And as we proceed, I will invite you to imagine a beautiful jewel or gemstone in your heart, your head, and your stomach. Following that, you will begin a transformational flow towards your head, heart, and body centers. Knowing that this in no way can hurt you, this is a completely safe healing method and you will be instructed how to take and breathe and work with this energy. With the in-breath, imagine that the negativity stream from inside your external critic body is coming towards the jewel in one of the centers. And before it touches you, several inches outside of your body, this stream hits a protective field around your body and is transformed into flowing waves of light that stream back to the critic body and start to fill it. This whole process will be like a filter. You will transform the negativity stream into light, which will in turn fill your critic body and push out its negativity. And as you continue to do this, the amount of the negativity stream in your critic body becomes less and less as it is emptied out. And so we'll begin with the head center. In your head, imagine a clear, luminous, tear-shaped diamond. It is beautiful and reflects light into everything. And now, with a deep in-breath, start a stream from the external critic body towards the jewel in your head. And as it comes and reaches that beautiful jewel, With your exhale, slow and deep, let light stream back into your critic body as a healing medicine. With your in-breath, bring the negativity stream towards the diamond in your head. And with a slow, deep exhalation, see this transformed negativity stream flow back as light into your critic body as healing medicine. Continue the in and out breaths as you feel comfortable. The head is the seat of our intellect and thinking. It is also the seat of our fear, our anxiety, and greed. As you breathe in, know that your needs are not a problem, that you are safe, and that you will always be taken care of. Continue with your in-breath. And with our last exhale, with our head center, look towards the inner critic body and see how the top third has been emptied of the negativity stream and now is clear and transparent space. And now we move into our heart center. And there, imagine a beautiful red, sphere-shaped ruby. 
It too is very beautiful and reflects red light back into everything. And with your first deep in-breath, again, start the stream of negativity from the external critic body towards the ruby red jewel in your heart. And with your slow, deep exhalation, see light stream back into your critic body as a healing medicine. Continue the in and out breath. Our heart is the seat of our emotions and our feelings. It is also the place where our shame, guilt, and envy reside. As you breathe in and the negativity stream is transformed into healing medicine, and the white light waves go back into the inner critic body, know that you are wanted. You are loved for being you, and you are seen for who you are. Breathe back in again, bringing that final stream of negativity into the heart center, and with our last exhale in the center, Look back and see that two-thirds now of the critic body has been emptied of the negativity and now is filled with transparent and luminous light. And now we move into the last center, the body center. In your stomach, imagine a beautiful deep blue cubed-shaped sapphire it too is beautiful and reflects light into everything. And with our first in-breath, again, start the stream from the critic body towards the sapphire in your stomach. Feel the stream as it touches and is transformed with crackles and pops and light. And with your out-breath, See the light stream back into the critic body as a healing medicine. Breathe in again, bringing in the negativity stream and breathing back out light as healing medicine. Our body is the seat of our intuition and instinct. It also houses our anger, our desire, and our laziness. With the in-breath, again, bring that remaining parts of the negativity in. And with the out-breath of the light streaming back as healing medicine, know you will not be betrayed. Know that you are good. Know that you matter and that you are enough. And now with our last exhale, look and see that the critic body has been completely emptied of all of its negativity. It now glows and reflects light back as itself is a precious jewel. Through this meditation, you have emptied the critic body of its negative messaging. You are reprogramming it with love by allowing it to be seen to be heard, and to be acknowledged. 
And as it really is not separate from yourself, I invite you to begin to visualize it and your actual body moving toward each other and beginning to merge. And at the points where they touch and intersect, imagine torrents of rainbows and rainbow-colored lights fill the entirety of the space around you. Continue with your in and out breaths and see the deepening integration of your two bodies. Continue with your breath, following it until the two bodies have fully merged together in one, into your body, in space, in time, as you are seated here. And now, bring both bodies into full integration. They have merged. And with a final in-breath, simply rest in awareness. Let go of all the imagery. Let go of all of your thoughts. Simply rest. Notice without judgment. and relax into this space. And when you are ready, slowly begin to return to waking reality. And when you are comfortable, open your eyes and join me back here. Thank you. That was amazing. Oh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel so good now. So what did you learn about yourself? You can put it in the chat. You can request to be unmuted. What did you learn? What did you experience? How'd it go? I'd love to hear from you. Get some hearts showing up. Those are cute. (laughs) Nice. All right. Brianne is asked to be unmuted. Polly said it felt like it was floating. Oh, sorry, that was Bronwyn. Um, visualizing the the second version of myself made me realize that everything that I'm freaking out about is like just myself overthinking. Like no one else is thinking those things about me. <laughs> Wonderful. How do you feel now? Um, just more self-aware. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Brianne. That was lovely. Anyone else like to share? This is a safe space. All right. Malini said she'll share. Okay. Hello. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like really visualizing the second, the critic. Um, I immediately pictured, have you seen um, the Princess Mononoke? by Miyazaki, if anyone's seen that, those toxic worms that are like eating the animals. Like I couldn't remember where I had seen that, but I immediately like just saw it filling up with those toxic worms. And I just realized like how toxic all my negative thoughts have been like just affecting me. And like, I I know that it is something I'm working on, but for some reason, this visualization, just really like seeing it 
And then picturing like in the movie, how they also like, like when the boar is saved, sorry, if you haven't seen the movie, (laughs) when the boar is (laughs) saved and they like die and fall away, like that's kind of what I was picturing with the light. And um, so that was like really powerful for me to like, to have that immediate association with those worms and then be like, this doesn't serve me anymore. Like I need to get rid of these. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Beautiful. And Molly, how do you feel now? Um, I love the, the association or the idea of making your critic someone that's like your friend, because I know in a lot of other, um, philosophies or like experiences when people talk about this, it's like trying to mute your critic. And so I really liked the like rejoining of this like purified critic and, you know, not even thinking of it as a critic anymore. Like you've purified it. It's part of you. Don't try and mute it. Try and like join it with yourself in a healthy way. And so I, I feel, um, I feel like that's a great step forward. So I feel great. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Anybody else want to share? We have just a little bit of time. I know it feels scary to share, but everyone else is feeling something similar to you or even if one other person and you're brave enough. Yeah. And I just wanted to make a quick note, Cami, if I may, is that this is, this meditation is simply a platform and I've used it. It's like, you can use this meditation of breathing into the centers. Like the other day I was sitting down doing something and I had an inner critic attack when I was working. You can simply make it so that you breathe it in, in three breaths to help recenter yourself while you're sitting at your desk. Oh, nice. And also, that's great. So you can do that. You can also bring feelings into it. As we were talking about, if you're feeling shame or guilt or any of those things, work with the sensations as well, uh, well with the visualization, bring that emotional content in and makes it more powerful. Wonderful. So Erickson, what do you think are some ways that we can, actually make our inner critic our ally besides making giving him or her the title of advisor and and giving you know some a little attention and some credit what are some additional ways that we can make our inner critic our creative ally i like to use we've all heard of movie and food critics uh and they have a good job to perform And they might point out some things, but I know that if there's a new Indian restaurant in town, I really don't care what the food critic has to say. I'm going to go experience for myself and see if I like it and then find out if the critic was actually right. So with that experience, uh, a couple ways you can do this is one, when I'm writing my inner critic, when I'm writing my first draft, loves to get out, get in the way, tell me what I'm doing wrong, what I should be doing here, where the period isn't being placed, why are the T isn't being crossed. I'm just like, you know what? Let me get through the first draft. And when it's done and we're going to review it, you can tell me whatever you want, because you're probably going to have a few things that I didn't see before. But wait till I get done with my first draft. This is my playground. You can come for a play date when I'm done. So that would that would translate well into designs or photography or uh, and writing and coding and all kinds of things. Oh, that's marvelous. That's a great way. Any anything else? Any any other ways you have um, you can think of? 
the other thing with the, with the inner critic um, is, you know, when we're when we have a place of integration with the inner critic, you can take and use a line. And this is from my Enneagram training. It's just like there is a phrase, are you above or below the line? And what that means is, are you react? Are you in a space of responding from love or are you in a place of reacting from fear? Mm. And what I try to do is maintain a space of curiosity and openness and playfulness is my initial experience. Because if I create that space and I'm not afraid to fail and I'm afraid to explore, then I can really explore those options and then allow the inner critic again when I'm done to come in and say, hey, this might work. This might not work. And to get into that place where it's just like, okay, and if it, if you think it's not going to work, don't tell me it's not going to work. Give me a concrete example of why this isn't going to work. I want, I really want to get down into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. I just don't want something surface from you. So if you're going to sit here and advise me, you had better be up to the task. Otherwise, <laughs> have your seat on the board. You're going to be paid and we don't have to worry about it. Oh, I love that. Give him a seat at the table, just not the head of the table. Exactly. Yeah. My, my inner, my inner critic and I, through the process um, of healing, instead of driving, became a passenger. And on the days when my inner critic was screaming, he got thrown in the trunk. And yes, my bus has a trunk, but I, I made sure that my inner critic understood you're not driving anymore. You're not driving anymore. I am. And if, you know, if you're uncomfortable with that, close your eyes. I'll come get you if I need to. I promise. (laughs) Oh, awesome. All right. Everyone pat yourselves on the back. You have made loads of progress today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for diving deep. Thank you, Erickson, for teaching us this amazing meditation tool and, and for teaching us this technique uh, that helps us heal our inner critic and, and make it our ally. Uh, Thank you, Bronwyn, for hosting. And thank you, everyone on the ADP List team for making this happen and for building this community that we can all now call home. So a big hug, a big bucket of doo-doo to everyone. Thank you. For more good juju, visit cami.coach, C-A-M-I dot coach.